From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soshnick. On this weekly podcast, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. On this week's show, we will have the CEO of On Location Experiences, John Collins. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. Joining us is Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Eben Novi-Williams. Let's start. Fox, I didn't expect this for five years, but they have nailed Thursday night football. Let's talk about that. What didn't you expect? That it would be Fox or it would be five years? Five years. Oh, okay, because that's why I'm like, you should have expected Fox if you were reading the Bloomberg Terminal because no. it's like two and a half weeks ago. We said they were very aggressive. This This is about their prime time lineup, Michael. They're, they're dragging, they're lagging in the younger demographic. And let's not forget where Fox began. Like Fox became a legitimate network when it got the NFL. So it's sort of a going back to the roots here. They're going to use the NFL to promote that primetime network because the NFL, I'm going to say this a million times, even though ratings are down, ratings are down across the board. Football is down less than the other stuff. If you want to reach that coveted demographic, male 18 to 34, there is still nothing better out there than the NFL. I mean, it's easy to look at this and say, oh, there is no writing sports rights bubble, right? The prices are still going up. Uh, I wonder if there is something specific in this deal about a Fox as a network that just sold a lot of its assets over to Disney and ESPN uh, that might have needed this in a way that no one else did, and that's why the price is so high. I mean, they're paying more than CBS and NBC did uh, for the for the Thursday night rights this year. Uh, some people thought that number was going to go down. It obviously didn't. It, w- it went up. Um, but I'm wondering if this is a one-off or if this is kind of a commentary on what we're going to continue to see as these rights continue to come up in the next four or so five So if you are the bear, not the bull, you would point to Turner did not bid, ABC did not bid, NBC submitted a lower bid than last time, uh, CBS submitted a lower bid than last time, and their statements after kind of said, like, we evaluated the value of the bid. So if you're bullish on this stuff, you say that this is a great deal for Fox. They have long-term. It'll it'll really boost the primetime line. But if you're bearish, you look at the others and say they didn't see the value. One other thing we should mention, uh, if we evaluate how how much Fox paid, uh, the NFL can make this a much more valuable TV property if they're willing to put the teams that people want to watch on Thursday night. They have not yet really done that. And it's really struggled from a viewership standpoint because of that. But if the NFL works with Fox and you get good matchups on Thursday night, this could end up being a bargain. Well, then you have to flex. So the only problem with football is like you kind of know at the beginning of the year the Golden State Warriors are going to be good and the Cavaliers are going to be good. So you can put them on TV. In the NFL, a lot of teams you think are going to be good just don't turn out that way. And that's a problem. Well, we know which two teams are very good this year. Super Bowl 52, the Philadelphia Eagles against the New England Patriots. And here's the question everybody's asking. Who you got? 
I think they're asking you got tickets and how much. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so they ask me. Can you get me in? Yeah, the uh, from a business standpoint, uh, certainly hard not to look at the Super Bowl as the Super Bowl for Tom Brady to cement his legacy, win his sixth as a player, which would be more than any player in, in NFL history. Uh, he's getting to the end of his career. He's obviously starting to think about what life looks like after football in terms of his health and, and his wellness program. Uh, the Facebook show that he has, uh, Tom versus Time, uh, can Tom Brady do it and will it vault him into an even more elite air from a marketing standpoint? But somebody got mad, or he, I should say Tom Brady got mad, when someone asked him, hey, thinking about retirement? It's like, why do you keep asking me about retirement? So it looks like he's going to keep on going. Another hot topic in sports, Chief Wahoo is out for the Cleveland Indians. It took a while, uh, certainly under pressure from Rob Manfred, the uh, commissioner of Major League Baseball. But the Indians saw the value in taking away what many had seen as an offensive mark. But, Eben, I know you loved it. You were the first to get out there. I love the narrative. People didn't understand. And, oh, this is terrible, but it's still going to be sold. They were making fun of baseball, making fun of the Indians. And then leave it to Eben Novi Williams to once again ask the good questions and answer why will it still be sold, Eben? The merchandise will still be sold in pockets in, in the Ohio region because they need to use the trademark to keep it. Obviously, if you're baseball and you're the Indians, you don't want this trademark to lapse and let anybody who wants to print whatever they want with the Chief Wahoo logo. So to keep it, they have to use it, uh, and their way of using it uh, is is selling some of the items at retail. And there's a cynical way you can look at that for sure, right? That that they're still going to profit off of an image that, that the commissioner of baseball has said is unfit to, to be seen on, on the field. Uh, but in, in overall, they're waiting a year to do it. It's not even going to take effect this year. They're still going to sell parts of it. I know part of this feels like a lukewarm response to, to something that the, the commissioner and so many others around baseball and around have, have been so offended by. Worth saying, though, that Roger Goodell doesn't think this will affect the Redskins. I was just going to ask won't. that. Right. And it probably, probably won't. won't. Right. Another topic, and you guys were involved in this, the Islanders are said to return to Nassau Coliseum for 12 games now. Let's, let's not get all excited, but 12 games, the Islanders are coming back. If you are a Nassau County resident and you like hockey and you're a fan of the Islanders, you said don't get all excited. Well, darn it, they're going to get excited, Michael Barr, <laughs> because they're coming back home. What, is, what has been the longstanding home, listen, it didn't work out at Barclays. The folks Barclays didn't want the Islanders there. The Islanders need a place to play until the new Elmont Arena is built. Ah, what a nice compromise. The NHL bent and said, We'll do some games at the Coliseum next year. If it works out, you'll split your schedule until the uh, the new arena is built. Yeah, what a funny little two-year history for, for uh, Prokhorov and all this, right? He buys the Coliseum, renovates it, and suddenly the, the hockey team that came to play at his really fancy building in Brooklyn is going back to his other building uh, to fill some dates there. Makes out nicely. Gets money at the Coliseum, and he gets to sell those nights back at Barclays exactly. Center. Good, exactly. move, good move for Prokhorov. Our thanks to Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Evan Novi williams And now for our interview with On Location Experience's CEO, John Collins. Perfect week for John. If you don't know his background, he was at the NFL as an executive. He went to the NHL where he was responsible for the creation of the outdoor games. He certainly knows spectacle. And now as On Location, he's about experiential at the Super Bowl and at the marquee events. In other words, if you want to go to this game and you want to be treated like a rock star, he's the guy. So, John, tell me, when we talk to TV executives, 
we always ask, how is this matchup for you, Eagles and Patriots? What does it mean for ratings? I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, that with these fervent fan bases, this is good for what you're trying to do. Uh, listen, it's a great it's a great matchup, hopefully in many ways. Um, but I think the the third party of this is really Minneapolis, and and just how much enthusiasm is in the marketplace to support the Super Bowl. Obviously, you know they're excited about their new stadium, and and obviously the Vikings had this magical run right up through the NFC Championship game, which I think created a lot of uh, early buyers into the marketplace. A lot of people I think felt like, hey, if the Vikings get in. And ticket prices are going to be, you know, at historical levels, historical highs. Uh, and if they don't get in, well, I live here anyway, so I'd love to see the Super Bowl. So I think that the the Pats and the Eagles, you know, the Pats have been in a bunch of times. The fan base knows how to travel. Um, there's, you know, I, I think people try to sell the idea of, you know, one more time. This might be the last one, but they do that. They've been doing that for eight Super Bowls now, so. Uh, the Pats fan are, fans are pretty sophisticated, but they turn out, and they're turning out for this game. And the Philadelphia fan is just uh, passionate, as passionate a fan base as there is in the country, and they are showing up in droves. So if we take away the opportunity for the Vikings to have been playing in their home stadium, how does Minneapolis shape up cold-weather town? How does that shape up for you? Is Minneapolis the same as, say, a New Orleans or a Miami? I think it's very unique. You know, it's it's uh, it's a it's a generational uh, you know Super Bowl. I, I think you know people understand this. You know, won't be back uh, anytime soon. So this is the one opportunity to, to embrace it. I think from what I've seen from working with you know the host committee in particular, uh, they are really passionate about showing off their city to the world. And so you know the league needs. 10,000 volunteers to work, you know, game day, they get a list of 30,000 volunteers. Um, you know, the Super Bowl Live, which we, uh, we, we produced with the, the host committee, they're expecting, you know, 60,000 people on opening night to get 100,000 people on opening night. They're all in on this Super Bowl. And I think the fact that, you know, we're talking about New England fans and Philadelphia fans, you know, the weather, you know, people understand winter weather. It's part of football. It's it's part of living where these two fan bases live. It's one thing when it is cold out there, but that never stops any of the parties that take place for the Super Bowl. Can you take us through that experience of what it's like with all the parties and celebrities there? Well, Michael, it, it, it's a great point. I mean, it's a point that, um, you know, when I joined on location and obviously spent a lot of time working for the NFL Worked for the NHL too, but but for the NFL in particular, you know there was this view that uh, they really needed a partner who would help focus on how to better monetize the IP, right? And so IP in this case, in this hospitality case, would be everything from you know the tickets and what happens in the secondary market. Uh, so why leave that that upside to to brokers? Um, what happens with you know fan travel and, and hotel management? And then really what happens around the, the parties uh, on game day, but also Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday pregame, and then Sunday postgame, which are all really opportunities to, to improve the fan experience um, and just produce a, a better event, have it a little more coordinated, give, give the right people, the most important people, 
you know, your business partners the access uh, to those experiences. Uh, it, it was a bit of a wild west, and, and it continues to be because, you know, any of the big, biggest events in the world, you, you know, everybody wants to be there. Um, but we're, we're bringing a sense of order to it. So we'll have, you know, on locational host, we'll have 10 pregame parties spread throughout the downtown Minneapolis, uh, including the biggest party, which we'll have, you know, at the Armory, which is a landmark historical building that's, that's had a $50 million renovation. What do I get Beautiful. for that? Just give me a little scene set. <laughs> what do I get? How much does it cost me to go, and what do I get? For the game day tailgate, um, it's all part of the, the on-location package. But what you get is you get, you know, top-shelf food and beverage. You get access. It's inside the security perimeter, so it's the closest party that you can get to. Um, you're going to get top, top-tier top talent. So Kelly Clarkson uh, is performing at, at that tailgate. Um, you know, the NBC guys will come out of that. We're producing the NBC pregame party. We're producing the, the host committee pregame party. We're producing pregame parties and postgame parties for the two participating teams. And, uh, you know, we're also doing a number of events inside the stadium. So, Scott, this is more up your alley. You know, there's a, there's a, a hospitality venue called the Delta Club in, in uh, <laughs> U.S. Bank Stadium, which is 50-yard line, field-level seats and hospitality center. If you're in there, you can do your pregame, your halftime, and your postgame party there, and you can be on the field for uh, the trophy celebration at the end of the game. So, you know, what, what you get from on location is you get, you get the verified ticket. You know what you buy is what you're going to get. You get the ability to have access not just to the parties but the hotels and, and all the ways to navigate throughout the city. And then you're going to have the best game day experience you can possibly get. We're talking to the CEO of On Location Experiences, John Collins. See, that's Scott Soshnick stuff right there. That's that's Scott Soshnick. <laughs> that's money. the platinum platinum brand stuff you know, right there. I'm I'm over in the tunnel, man, trying to like peek over at the game here. But you're peeking over the fence outside. <laughs> Which brings me to another point: is that there's so many behind the scenes activities that happen. As you mentioned, ten parties, all the Super Bowl tickets, the celebrities. But there are also just little venues just for Joe Blow fan. It's like, hey, you know, here's this and, and here's that. Can you take us through that? A big part of the business is uh, sort of the bucket list fan, the, the fan who wants to go to the event but um, you know, is, is less uh, concerned about who's in the game. They know they're going and, and, and they're willing to buy early and make sure that they, uh, their trip is laid out to them. <clears throat> but obviously a big focus of what we do and what the league wants us to do is, is service the clubs that get to the game and then service their fans because it's such a quick turnaround. Um, you want to make sure that you have hotel inventory, party inventory, and then obviously game ticket inventory uh, that is priced appropriately for that that fan who's you know team you know case of the Eagles. You know they haven't been there in 20 plus years, and uh, you know could be. I'm sure they think they might be back next year, but for this year. It might be a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and, and you want to be able to give that fan the best possible experience. So we work very closely with both clubs to make sure that we have products that appeal to them, whether they're coming in for you know, the three-night hotel minimum, get here, have a welcome reception you know, with the club, um, stay in uh, you know, a club, one of the club-designated Eagles hotels, um, and then have parties 
but it's it's two levels of, of pricing. There's there's pricing which is you know kind of pre NFC AFC Championship Sunday, and then there's pricing really post championship when you know the, who two, who the two teams are and you want to really make sure that that fan base has the ability to get to the city and get in the game. Give us those numbers, John. We haven't heard yet. What's it going to cost me if I want the premium? I'm the die-hard Eagles fan. I may never get to do this again. I'm willing to open the wallet. I want the gold standard treatment. What's it going to cost me? Well, look, I mean, the gold, the gold, the gold, you know, your level gold standard has been sold out for a while. Um, but what we're running on the fan travel, you know, can be anything from, you know, $4,000 all the way up to whatever you want to spend, depending on, you know, level of service that you want. So for people who are wondering, well, this is great, but how do they get all that stuff? How, how does this company get that? I think it's important to sort of touch on your ownership structure. The important one here is 32 Equity. Those are the 32 NFL owners. Their private equity arm owns a piece of this, as does Carlisle Group, Bruin Sports Capital, which is George Pine, Redbird Capital, which is Jerry Cardinal. But the NFL wanted to do this. They saw an opportunity in more than just the game, correct? Yeah, I think that the NFL uh, of late has really had an attitude that they, they, they want to uh, partner with other companies to kind of operationalize a lot of things that they – they just don't have the bandwidth to do internally anymore. Uh, it's gotten so big. And so this was a department that lived inside the NFL events group for you know, probably five or six years that ultimately got licensed out on a long-term license to, uh, to Redbird and, and Bruin Capital. Uh, those guys had the foresight to say, we want the NFL involved in this as an equity partner. And so they sold 20% of the company back to uh, the NFL's venture capital fund, 32 Equity, which gives them a lot of skin in the game and, uh, and, and properly aligns everyone's objectives, right? So we're, we're in it for the long term. We're in it to partner with the league. We're not just in it to turn a buck, right? We want to do what's right for the event and what's, what's right for, for the league and the 32 clubs. And that really allows us to go to town. So there's a, there's a certain amount of inventory that we're allocated every game. We get that inventory. You know, we, we literally have a lot of our seat locations for Atlanta now. So in theory, we're on sale for Atlanta today, even as we're continuing to sell into Minneapolis. We manage and have uh, the largest uh, block of hotel rooms in, in, in the city. Uh, the league allocates as part of the host committee bid a venue space for us to do things like uh, the NFL Experience or Super Bowl Live or any of the tailgate parties or other hospitality events that, that we run, including hospitality for the two participating teams, whoever they may be in future Super Bowls. Um, and then we have priority uh, over uh, you know everything from ground transportation. So um, how people move in and around the city are all things that you know, we really have priority access. We've staffed the company with people who come from, you know, a league rights holder's point of view. So, you know, Don Renzulli, who runs our operations, actually ran the Super Bowl for 10 years at the NFL. Uh, Sean Connolly, who runs our event department, uh, basically created the NFL experience and the NFL tailgate 20-plus years ago in Minneapolis last time the Super Bowl was here. So we have guys who you know, have 20-plus years' experience around the Super Bowl who worked for clubs or, or league offices and know what it's like to operate in that environment. 
and we've been able to supplement that with acquisitions like Prime Sport with people who really know the, you know, the ticketing business and really understand the travel business in the case of Anthony Travel. Uh, and now we're excited to expand our offerings well beyond the NFL and, and, and you know, to the NCAA and the PGA and, and the other 150 content rights holder relationships that Prime Sport kind of brings into the family. All right, we're going to get into all that. We're chatting with John Collins, the CEO of On Location Experiences. But before we do, I just want to chat about the stability and predictability that you guys bring to the secondary market. A few years ago, there was a big problem where the brokers on the secondary market had sold a bunch of tickets that they wound up not having access to. Is that what this does, the fact that you guys have a big chunk of the available tickets that the resale world is so much less supplied that you've brought a stability to that market because nobody wants that headache especially the nfl yeah it's a terrible look for any rights holder where you know a fan you know does everything he needs to do including write a big check to get to a game and then finds out that what he what he bought isn't what he thought he bought and isn't going to be able to get into this stadium um, and so that's exactly the motivation, you know, on the part of the league, which is to give fans certainty in terms of a verified ticket that, you know, what they're buying is, is what they're going to get. I mean, we have, we have, when we go to market, uh, we go to market with the exact seat location um, that you're going to be, uh, that you're going to be purchasing. We're not, uh, you know, part, part of the issue that existed, and I wasn't here then, I guess in Phoenix, um, that you're referring to, Scott, I know you've, you've talked a lot about it, was there was a lot of speculative selling and a lot of short selling on the part of ticket brokers. And when the inventory didn't come into the marketplace, uh, a lot of those brokers went out of business and a lot of fans who had purchased tickets were really uh, disappointed. And so the league made a, that, 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 was the, uh, <clears throat> that was the push on the part of the league to make sure that NFL fans knew that there was a verified official place that they could go to get Super Bowl tickets, which have never really had an on sale, right? It's probably one of the few events in the world that doesn't have an on sale. And of course, yes, the Super Bowl is the hot topic right now because you're right there, but you go into many other events too. I mean, that's from the Final Four uh, to tennis majors and so on. Yeah, Michael, the, the, the the growth of the company has been uh, pretty fast. Um, and so, you know, two years ago, we were probably a $35 million top-line revenue business. As of today, we'll be a $550 million top-line business with rights-holder relationships with 150 different partners across sports, music, other forms of entertainment. So, you know, our focus is definitely on the Super Bowl, but but frankly, we had as much of a focus on the college bowl season, the Rose Bowl in particular, where we have a very deep relationship with those organizers. Um, our music division, which is CID, uh, just came off a series of music festivals down in Mexico with people like Blake Shelton and Luke Bryan. We're looking very quickly to pivot into the NCAA tournament, where, you know, one of Prime's long-term relationships has been with the NCAA, um, very much like on locations relationship with the NFL, where, where we offer uh, very deep services in terms of hotel management, travel management, and obviously ticket management. 
um, to help them you know, get get the tickets into the into the hands of the fans. And then, of course, you know, you, you run first quarter isn't really complete without beginning to think about the Masters. We've always thought about this business like uh, a subscription model where, you know, if you're a bucket list fan or you're a corporate client who is going to be looking to entertain people at all the biggest events that happen throughout the year, you now have one source to go to for all those needs. And it's not just the U.S. You guys are going to go global. Yeah, we have some experience with, with big events like, like the Ryder Cup, which I think is a great, you know, it's one of those great events that uh, people love to go to, and, and it's a unique experience in that it goes trades back and forth between Europe and, and, and the U.S. You know, we think the Super Bowl gives us a lot of experience to ultimately begin to tackle other world events like the Olympics and the World Cup. And as those events you know, potentially come, well, in case of the Olympics, are coming to the U.S., in the case of the World Cup, hopefully come to North America soon. Um, I think we're well positioned to, to work with those rights holders. The way we've worked with the NFL and the NCAA and the PGA to really you know, help return some of the value that, that they're losing uh, into, into, this, uh, into this market, but also to improve the overall fan experience. Do you get the sense, John, that this is coming at a time when the fans want to get closer? It's no longer good enough to go go to the stadium, sit in Section 212, watch the game, and leave. Everything is about closer to the athletes, closer to the behind-the-scenes, athletes showing what happens in the locker room, uh, on the drive to the game. Fans just want more these days, don't they? Yeah, I, I think they always have, though. I, I, I mean, maybe social media let you see more access than you, than you were able to see and get closer to the athletes and, and, and all the figures. I mean, I, I started my career with NFL Films, working for Steve Sable. Probably nobody else had, a, had you know, a bigger hand in helping to shape the image of the NFL than NFL Films in those early years. Doesn't Michael sound like John Facenda? Give me, like a, give me a frozen tundra Green Bay thing. Wait. On the frozen tundra of That's Green it. He Bay. He could do it, right? He could do it. But you it's know, your you, demo. It always was great because, you know, he would always make the game that was a blowout, but you still would watch the film because he still made it close. You know, it's exactly exactly. (laughs) you you watch the game, you saw the highlights and still you'd watch, you know, inside the NFL because they would take you and show you a part of the game that, frankly, you didn't see in the game coverage and you didn't see in the highlights. And so, you know, this idea of letting the fan get access, I think, is is a winner. Um, Everybody, you know wants to do it, everybody strives to do it, um, but the rights holder really has to buy into it, right? I mean, ultimately the access needs to come from the rights holder, and that's why we like this, this you know, our, our point of view in the marketplace, right? We, we're, not a, we're not a third party. We, we really want to be a strategic partner of those content rights holders to help them, help them connect their fans in ways that, frankly, they're not able to get to. Are you ever pitching... Game operations. Are you ever pitched as added value to sponsors? Yeah, we're 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 deep with a lot of the corporate clients. Uh, whether it's you know Directv on Saturday night, basically that's that's their party. Or you know, in the case of Super Bowl Live, we are activating for big NFL partners like Verizon how they want to uh, integrate with the Minneapolis community. Um, and, and, and in many cases, we're activating for the NFL, right? So we're extending what, you know, the, the, the pitch 
to the NFL was really coming out of San Francisco. You know, 60,000 people are actually going to the Super Bowl. The league has their most important 10,000, you know, their partners, their clubs, their rights holders. Uh, they're taking care of those 10,000. What are the other 50,000 doing, though? And that's where we really did kind of a, a Google heat map of all the events that were happening in and around the stadium, which, which were unlicensed and a little sketchy and happening in parking lots under tents throughout, you know, throughout the Bay Area. And these were people who paid to actually get to San Francisco and go to the game. So we just felt there was a better, there was a better model. There was a better way to do it. The league wasn't going to be able to do it because they had their hands full with the game operations and doing what they typically do. But, you know, a capitalized company with people with expertise and vision and executional capabilities would really be able to supplement a rights holder's operation. And so I think the Super Bowl is really our case study. It's only, for me, it's only year two. We've certainly come a long way in year two. But I think any rights holder around the world is going to be interested in how the NFL recaptured more value for basically their crown jewel event, the Super Bowl. We're talking to the CEO of On Location Experiences, John Collins. As for the company On Location Experiences, what gave the founders the idea to create this company? I mean, big sporting events have been around for a long time, but you guys are fairly young and doing very well. I, I, I give the credit to uh, the folks at the league office who, uh, you know, who saw this, who saw this opportunity um, early on and, and started to dabble in it, you know, almost as like a, a, a side job uh, as they were looking at how to execute the event. And ultimately it was the vision of, of Commissioner Goodell and other forward-thinking you know, business executives like Kevin LaForce and Brian Rolap who really pushed the business outside the league to ultimately be licensed, be a licensed product and let it kind of grow and breathe on its own. Uh, and I think, you know, again, two years into this thing, I think their initial concept uh, has been proven right. Uh, as we've grown into, you know, a $500 million plus business, uh, now much, much more than just the NFL. Tell me what's next. What's your big pie-in-the-sky idea next? You're a big thinker at the NHL. You're responsible for the outdoor game creation. What's next? Well, give me your something you would really like to pull off. And I'm league agnostic here or event agnostic. Could be anything. What do you think still needs to happen? I think that there is a real subscription model to this. I think that um, whether it's across kind of a horizontal, like every every league season ticket holder at every club should have the opportunity to basically have a chance to get to the Super Bowl. I think that you know great products like StubHub are, are basically they're, they're killing the value of the season ticket, and I think that that's really important for all clubs across all leagues, and there should be ways to to reward your most valuable customers. And so that's that's where we're focused with the NFL clubs, and that's where we want to be focused with the NCAA and the universities that participate in events like the Final Four tournament uh, and, and, you know, PGA and, and really all of our rights holders. I, I think that that's what I'd like to see. I, I, I think it's a big value there. I think if you're able to create a sub- subscription model from a business and an industry that typically has been the wild, wild west, 
um, you can create really long-term value there. Oh, well, half a billion is nice in top-line revenue, but the real money in this Super Bowl, the real money, the coat checks. <laughs> that's, that's where the money is, at the parties, at the bars, at the venue. Coat check is where you want to be this week. Yeah, nobody's taking their coats off in Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, John Collins, CEO of On Location Experiences, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Takeaways from this, I'm amazed that they have not expanded into more major venues for sports. I mean, this month, we've got the big Daytona 500 coming up. And oh, there you go. Yeah, there you, you see go. how I slipped it in there? <laughs> there you go. Real again. smooth how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, think about it. you got Indianapolis is coming in May. You know, February, by the way, is the greatest month because, obviously, the Daytona 500. Pitchers and catchers report. You have the Super Bowl coming. I know you have that pained look on your face. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to say like the go kart races. What is it? Box car racing. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that. I'm just waiting. The soapbox. Yeah, the derby, soapbox baby. derby. There you go. That's it. You and your son are building it in the garage. That's what I was waiting for. All right. Well, that could be your takeaway. My takeaway is simple: five hundred million dollar top line revenue for this business. It's amazing. The NFL. Finds the way, doesn't it? The NFL owners find a way. They create this entity, 32 Equity, to invest in outside businesses. And this one has grown into half a billion dollar top line revenue. And you know they are looking at more investments. It's just taking that cornerstone, that big thing you've got, and seeing how else we can generate revenue. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. It's 18. No, and I love it. there's this. a scene. There's a thing. I love it because, I mean, when we discuss it, and I know, but for all those who think it's luck, or who think it's just they have Tom Brady. Why the Patriots are here year after year after year. 18 undrafted free agents on this team. 18. The Eagles have nine. That's a pretty good number. But think about in a salary cap league where every dollar spent matters most. If you can get an undrafted free agent to contribute we all know they're not the big stars. They're not first-round picks making a lot of money. Then you are utilizing your dollars more wisely than anybody else, and it's no surprise, here you are again. But why didn't other teams notice these players? Teams with obviously very good people looking around and trying to find talent, and they missed this. Why is somebody better than somebody else? That's, a, I mean, because they don't. They don't value. He looks at it differently. He also, Belichick, likes to go for it on fourth down more than others, as the stats tell him he should, except maybe. I always think how much of this comes down to job security. How many coaches are afraid to try something because if it doesn't work out, they lose their job? But Belichick is secure at this point. He's not losing his job if he, like Sean Payton in the Super Bowl, opens the second half with an onside kick. But it worked. He got the ball, and the New Orleans Saints won. Belichick can do that. Can some rookie coach, can a third-year coach, can he do that? I don't know. But I do know Belichick sees it differently, and I do know from talking to athletes in other sports who are friends with Bill Belichick 
that he values a different skill set than other coaches. That thing of do your job, if you're good at one thing, I can utilize that thing, makes you perfect for the Patriot way. Speaking of numbers, first time we've kind of had a fraction for this. This is kind of like an addendum. Bill Belichick, what is it? It's, it's almost a, a third of the Super Bowls. Of all Bowls Super Bowls, he's been That he's either to. been, uh, yeah, either yeah. a coach or assistant or coordinator or, or something involved in it. That's incredible. You have to say it's not just luck. There's got to be something in the secret sauce. And we all know he's not spilling beans. His answers are, so, <laughs> hey, here he is again. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We are here each and every week at the same time exploring the world of money and sports. I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Thanks for joining us, and please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.